you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm one of your hosts today, Jeff Ellis. Quickly want to remind everyone at the top to check out Locked On MLB with Sully. Sully is a good dude, lots of fun, very knowledgeable. Go check that out. Uh, today, we have Pat Ellington joining me. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about a, a proposal that MLB is uh, the Major League Baseball Association is proposing to the Major League Baseball Players Association, which kind of floored me, A, when it news broke and the, the parts of it. Uh, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Maybe we'll talk some minor league stuff at the for the third segment, depending on time. Uh, just anyone who's uh, sticking out or uh, some fun player discussions as there's been a, a lot of great performances in the past week. But first, I want to welcome in Pat. Uh, thank you for joining me. And just at the top, remind them where they can find all your work. Um, first of all, thank you for having me, Jeff. It's always good to be here. Um, you can find me on Twitter at tangible underscore uno, and you can find all my work on my Twitter account. So let's start with this game today. So, you know, Pat and I did a quick rundown before. Now, it was a day game, so I I know people are probably think by now I never watch any of the games. Uh, day games are hard. We started, we're getting together classrooms for teaching, so I uh, just kind of followed this one via box scores. Pat did get a chance to watch. What was your, to me, the most interesting thing was, and I actually went to dig and I, I couldn't find a great answer. Like to me, this struck me as one of the longest extra inning games. It just feels like extra inning games, thanks to a new rule, don't get out of the 10th anymore, uh, which honestly I feel like is kind of beneficial. I mean, you're not wearing down your pitching to actually have this game have to go to the 11th. And especially because it's not like those were clean innings for either team in that first round. Uh, that was kind of interesting to me, but uh, you know, Pat, what did you see in this one? What was your, your takeaways, anyone who stood out or any performances you uh, want to spotlight? This is a really brutal game and not for the pitching stats of both teams. Cause I mean, and the defense as well, because a lot of errors, a lot of, um, a lot of just bloop singles and weird stuff along with the home runs and everything like that. So um, it, but it was also a really exciting game just because all the action and stuff like that as well, um, especially with how good of a base run team Cleveland is, can, what can be at times because the speed they have now because they're so young. Um, but I think this is a, just a, a classic division game. Like I'm looking at the leverage index this game on Twitter and it's jumped all over, it jumped all over the place. So it was it was a good game. Yeah, it was you – know, when I dove into the Even box – they lost. Yes. As they dove into the box score, it's like there were things even, you know, with this loss that made me happy. Uh, one, we all know Fran Mills struggled a little bit of late, seeing him kind of shake it off for that home run, uh, seeing Miles Straw really set the table. And then with Rosario and with the addition of Straw, the way Jose has played the monster home run, Fran Mills, Fran Mills hit, how well Bradley Zimmer has been playing. Sometimes right now, uh, how well Ahmed Rosario gets looked past and he has, you know, Bradley Zimmer's emergence is a potential actual starter for this team. Uh, you know, there's a reason it's a, he's really, I mean, he's taken himself off the scrap heap to an interesting player and that's why that gets a lot of talk. 
But during that whole time, Rosario has been his equal, if not maybe a little bit better as a hitter. Uh, you know, do you have anything to want to add with the uh, Rosario's game or straw, Jose, Fran Mills home run? Uh, yeah, even Oscar Mercado, who I've been a little bit down on the late, had three walks, which I, the team had 10 walks in general. This is a team that almost yesterday had zero, I want to say, or maybe it was two days ago. This, they were much more patient in this one, which is another really positive sign in my opinion. Yeah, so um, just I want to preface this by saying Zimmer and Mercado have really improved over the last, I say, three weeks. Each in their own ways, little by little. And I'm both taking tribute as, for this team as, you know, fourth, third outfield types. Um, I like Monstros a lot since he's been here. He's he's done nothing but hit. He's, he has like a 115 WRC plus and like 75 plate appearances. But at the same time, um, Cleveland has a great history of maximizing contact oriented hitters. So I've been emphasizing that on Twitter a lot and keeping track and he's improved a lot since he's been here by pulling the ball, which is what Jose did, which is what Francisco Lindor did, which is what Michael Brantley did. So there's a, there's a pattern there. And I, I think it's going to uh, work because the speed and defense is going to play off uh, out of center field no matter what. I thought it was interesting in our group chat. Uh, you know, Dusty Baker has had his ups and downs as a manager and anyone who's been around for a while is going to have that. But one thing Dusty's always been good at is kind of maximizing players and players seem to respond well to him. The talk out of Houston, according to the lockdown Houston guys is Dusty is, is still mad that they traded miles straw. When you hear something like that, that like Dusty Baker uh, with all the outfield depth, the Astros have is, you know, it's been almost a month and he's still mad that the Astros traded straw. Does that, make you kind of does that give you any change in your evaluation to me it almost raises a little to hear that he made it that does, big I mean, Houston always has been able to scout very well and they're also very similar to Cleveland and what they want out of player, players so she was just some players and pitchers in a lot of ways with, with contact oriented guys so I think there's there's something there pitching wise you know you go through this game and I was like Whitgren has had his ups and downs I know I just said that with uh uh, you know, another player used that exact phrasing, but it was nice to see him come back. Shaw's been pitching better of late. Uh, you know, I, if I'm going to run down a guy when he struggles, I really have to point out that he's, yeah, there was the loss in the Sam Hench's starter game. But again, it's not like Hench's set them up to win. I'm not going to get too upset about the Shaw usage there. Uh, but I think what maybe stands out for me watching this bullpen, talked about this a little bit yesterday and I can't help but laugh, is the general feeling with Emmanuel class a where he spent what until the foreign substance ban with most people viewing him as the second best reliever in this bullpen. We're now well the best relief prospect in all of baseball. Yeah. And now we're well into August. I feel like he's not getting the credit he deserves. People are like, yeah, he's hittable. (laughs) A he's not. (laughs) B he's got a one six, one ERA. What more do you want from this guy? Am I wrong? Am I seeing? Yeah. Yeah. Am am I, do you see this as well on Twitter? Do you see people still like running him down, even though he's? I mean, I don't, I don't see people running him down, but I feel like he doesn't get enough praise or enough. Um, he's not enough conversations for rookie of the year. He's not enough conversations for um, he best never relief, gets... one of the best relief pitchers. He's not enough best young, really young players in general. I feel like he he's never gets any talk for rookie of the year. Like I, I can't recall the last time I saw him in any rookie of the year discussion. I was kind of curious. I went over and looked. By Fangraphs uh, reliever war, he has. He's I'm tied, looking right now too. 
tied for 11th in reliever war. Uh, and, you know, just his, his inning count, you know, it, it's okay with the rest of this grouping, but I'm kind of surprised. I didn't expect Jonathan Loisga from the Yankees. You know, maybe I haven't paid enough attention there to be one. Craig Kimbrell to Josh Hader, Ryan Presley, like kind of your usual suspects, Matt Barnes, Blake Trahan, Chad Green, Tyler Rogers, Edwin Diaz with a nice rebound for the Mets. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's tied for 11th with like Richard Rodriguez, who was just a big piece of the deadline uh, while being a rookie. No, no one else on this list has, I think less than four years experience. It's, it's a little bit, uh, I don't necessarily want to say ridiculous, but it's weird. He throws so hard. He doesn't allow runs. He misses bats. Uh, maybe not at the highest amount. He has, because, more, he has more word than Michael Kopech. Yeah. Yeah. His, his K Michael per nine. He's getting so much praise this year. Oh, yeah. His K per nine, yes. It's 985. So he doesn't miss as much as some of the other relievers on this list. But he also, no one's hitting him hard. And I feel like, oh, maybe he's lucky. His bat pip is like league average. He's not like it's, you can. It's 286. Yeah, that's that's totally with it. So he's he's doing everything correctly. Everything looks good. His his FIP is yeah, his FIP shows that maybe he's no, his FIP's a two four three. So yeah, a little bit lucky, but not a ton. Like this is not he is not, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's not fluke to this. He's a young player who's going to keep getting better, who's got some really great stuff, who's having a high level performance. Uh I just want to make sure that people appreciate when we talk about the best players on the Cleveland Indians, his name should come up. I understand relievers are not as valuable. And I've always said that when I do talk about draft stuff and other things, but class A's valuation as just a player, he's got to be in your top seven players on the Indians this year. Maybe I'm being, maybe he should be higher, but even with the downgrade for him being a reliever, he's easily one of the top seven players, if not top five on the Indians right now. You know, I, I agree. He just offers so much value, and what do you to go with is great. So that's you know just going a bit off, and like the loss today, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but I think one area you and I both agree is this isn't a playoff team. You know, they're fifty eight. No, <laughs> they're they're the youngest team in all of baseball. Most most of the players they play this year are in their don't have a year service time. <coughs> Hopefully I hit the cough button in time there. Uh, I, I just got, got one little snippet of it, but <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I was saying that, you know, most of the guys on the scene don't have a lot of service time. A lot of them don't, are, are just not making their debuts this year and last year. And then you also have that sector of guys that, that are veterans technically, but they're still, you know, not even all the way through arbitration yet. Yeah. And like the loss stinks, but at the end of the day, it's, I mean, I, maybe people will get offended by this. I, I don't, I'm, when I'm watching the game, it's more about like player performance and improvement, like win or lose. I don't care. It's like, yeah, win's good because it's, I mean, it's it depends on where, it depends on the stage of the team, like right now, but I, we, we both are aware that this team yeah. is in the, in the development stage. Yes. Yeah. If this was like June, when it looked like they had a chance to contend for a wild card, then I would care, but now it's. To me, it's all about. I mean, mind you, the talent is there for this team to, to compete, but it, it just didn't happen. Sure, he's an injury yeah. ravaged the team, and 
they're, they're just young but yeah they, I mean, there's, there's there's definitely some talent here like i feel like people get confused when you say that yeah because they were the i mean to start the season they were the youngest team in the majors right uh-huh. and then injuries forced them to get even significantly younger just on the pitching staff alone so yeah i mean i you know there was a point but right now i think like and less just, experience. Yeah, it's experience. It's figuring out what they're going to do, uh, how you're going to handle this roster going forward, and how you're going to start balancing these waves of talent. And yeah, it's I, like I said, I have a hard time getting upset. At this point in time, this is a team, I, I talked about on the show yesterday, if the season ended right now, they'd have the 13th pick in the draft. That'd be the highest since they drafted Will Benson. It's a it's an in-between year. It's not a rebuild year. It's not a teardown year, but due to injuries, it's kind of a, a partial year for them. And I am, like I said, I, when I look at a box score, I am always, I'm looking at performance. I'm not even necessarily looking at win-loss. I mean, you do first see if they won, they lost, but then I'm not dwelling there more often than not. And I, like I said, it's of late, it's looking at the top of the lineup, seeing how well that's starting to mesh the Mercados and the Zimmers. And then, you know, hopefully we'll see some of these other young players at some point in time. Uh, starting to feel more and more like we may not see Nolan Jones or Arias this year, which would be unfortunate. Uh, I really, like, I like Ernie Clement. I like Yu Chen Chang. But I think we kind of know what both those guys are. And with this team in particular, I'd rather see uh, using these at-bats you know, it, Clement playing three times a week is fine, but as an everyday player, I'd rather see kind of someone else shifting up and in. Uh, do you think we will see those any more of the high end prospects? Or do you think this team is kind of what it is uh, until the season ends? I think we may in September for a couple of games. Like we may see, get, I think we might see Gabriel Rice. We might see some other guys just to get up up here like they do with Francis to me and Bradley Zimmer and those other guys when they first got their cup of coffee late. When they um when this current regime first got in with the old guys, with the prospects that the old guys had cultivated. So I think that I think that's the process they're gonna go with. So let's take a quick commercial break. I think we handled this game pretty well. Uh got in depth in the parts and pieces of it. We're gonna come back and talk a little bit about this uh, proposal and I'll explain why it kind of blew my hair back to read. But again, let's take a quick sponsor break here. Wild Alaskan is one of our newest sponsors and what they do is ethically, morally uh, solid product you door because it's not raised in a fish farm. It's not gone out and catch until you run out. They do sustainably sourced wild caught seafood fresh to your door individually wrapped you can pick between uh, salmon whitefish or a combo and again it's it you when you're getting it you know you're getting a product that you don't have to feel bad about and you're getting a product that's going to be good for your body there is no better protein than fish i'm not the biggest fan of fish so i say that as someone who uh begrudgingly but if you want to get something that's going to be good for your body, good for the, and like I said, good for the environment and the way it is cotton handled, you want to go to Wild Alaskan today. And right now you get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. 
Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. And speaking of let them know we sent you, check out rockauto.com. I've talked about many times, uh, I am not a car person, but Rock Auto is useful for when something breaks on your car to make sure you are getting a good price from the mechanic. And it's also useful because there are things you can fix on your car and save you money by going to rockauto.com. Simple things, your filters, uh, your windshield wipers. You can, If you've never done it, just go do a YouTube video. You'll find the way. You'll get a great deal on those parts and you'll save yourself significant amounts of money. I just mentioned on the show recently, we changed the filter on my wife's engine. It would have charged, they would have charged us 70 bucks for that whole uh, changing and the part and piece. We bought the filter for 20 bucks and did it ourselves. It saved us 50 bucks right there. Go to rockauto.com, check it out for yourself. You're going to appreciate the savings. And even if you are not a car person, there are things you can do to save yourself money when you go to rockauto.com. Make sure you let them know that we sent you. So in the little how'd you hear about us box, you want to write locked on, locked on MLB, locked on Indian, some locked on so they know that their advertising money was well spent. Go check it out for yourself. It's an easy to navigate site, American-owned company, rockauto.com. So today, after work, setting up my entire classroom, I had to go do get some blood drawn. I was just tired. I took a nap. And when I woke up from the nap, I saw this announced first offer and I, I want to point out this is the first offer by the MLB to the the players association I don't know if it's because I was a little groggy or what but this really surprised me when I saw it and again first offer is the MLB going with a point that they know the other side isn't going to take you know, inevitably all negotiations start with big offers and moves to the middle so this is the one they threw out from you know knowing the players association isn't going to accept it there's going to be some back and forth and, you know, the, the big, we don't know everything in it, but we do know is right now that luxury taxes start at 210 million. The new rule would start at 180 and each luxury tax level, there would now be three instead of two would have harsher penalties. Now you're probably thinking, what does that have to do with lockdown Indians? I'm an Indians fan. The second part is where I went, whoa, and that is a salary floor. Now, I didn't think Major League Baseball would ever do a salary floor without a hard cap. So this, that was surprising in and of itself. They are doing as close as they can to a hard cap without a hard cap in this proposal. Uh, I know the Players Association have sent in an offer, and one of theirs was like uh, lessening service time, making it easier to reach free agency. I don't know. That probably was not addressed at this at all. But I don't think I've mentioned, you know, buried the lead here heavily the proposed salary floor is a hundred million dollars. Uh, now they say that some of the taxing of those high teams and the tax rates would begin at 25%. They currently begin at 20. So it'd be a higher tax rate uh, would then go to those lower teams to help raise payrolls. Yeah, and I was going around looking at all sorts of, I was told that sport uh, sport racks payroll payroll stuff is not good. So I was trying not to use that but you go around and you look at a lot of places and it's almost uniformly, the Indians had the lowest payroll in baseball this year, spending high thirties, low forties. So you look at where this team is now, and you're talking about adding roughly 60 million in payroll and that's to get to the floor. And, and, and we don't know, like I said, I'd very, be very curious. I was thinking about this thing, like maybe part of that hundred million is also paying draft picks. Cause that's amount you are paying. I don't know if this includes like minor league salaries, things like that. We really need to dig into the fine print to see 
how much is included, but if it's just a hundred million for your team, uh, a, I know they'd be getting a lot more tax revenue, but a, it makes ownership look bad for all of these teams that refuse to spend because major league baseball is saying it's not that hard for us to get up to a hundred million. It's not that big. And, uh, two, I mean, this could be franchise changing for this team. Uh, did you get a chance to, there's not a ton of information. I'm not sure what you got a chance to saw on kind of what your thoughts were on. Again, this is first offer. This is the offer they know the other side isn't going to take. Uh, that salary floor conceivably could get raised higher in future offers. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, it, it really came out of nowhere and it's kind of, you know, that preemptive filler move just for the M- MLB to get the excuse and the owners that, uh, on record with the, with the media in the upcoming bloodbath when CBA expires. It'll be interesting to see what they will be responds with when they do and what changes they want to make. And and will also leaks with the fine print, as you said, on what the minute details were that eventually is going to make this deal now go down. Unless then we'll be actually acting in good faith because that would be a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, it would be. We know, we know that the small print that we're missing, we know that we got, we got the MLB's press release here. We got the, because it looks like the best of them. It's like, Hey, we just want to drop the. No leak PDFs or anything. Yeah. You know, this is just, listen, we just want to drop the, the, the tax threshold and increase it just 5%. We're going to make those teams at the bottom spend two to three times what they're paying. Uh, I mean, long story short on this, no matter what happens when you put those higher thresholds, kind of a hard, it's going to reduce superstar salaries. That That's yeah. what this is doing. If you're out there going, why would they agree to this? Why would they? It's why going would to they increase the, the salary of the average player at the, at the expense of the people at the top making the $400 million contracts by strengthening the windows in which they're going to get those contracts and also driving a price, the, amount money, the amount of money now. But they're, and then their hope is like, well, that's a small percentage mm-hmm. and it'll save them money. So again, for, you know, for the common person out there is like, I don't understand. So driving down superstars while increasing the floor is probably all, overall less money for the league, but there is a chance when you're doing something that is going to raise kind of a lower, more players salaries, there's a chance that the, parts and pieces of the players association might overrule those at the top because the players association has always been about the majority. It's why they have never taken care of amateurs because they're technically not even a part of it. Uh, once they're drafted. Yeah. But they don't, they've done nothing to protect them over the years. They've done, no, done nothing to protect my own leaguers or yeah. amateurs. And it's very, it's very bad. And, you know, I'll be curious to see, I said, I'd love to see the fine print, I love the idea, though, of a salary floor. I don't know about you, but as a fan of the game, uh, a salary floor sounds great. Uh, We've seen, I I believe every other sport has one now. I could be wrong. Uh, I see it mostly in ice hockey mentioned, where it's like teams will acquire bad contracts to get to the floor sometimes. But for a team... Definitely for a salary floor in baseball. It just makes too much sense. And combine that with a DH, and it's going to help a lot. So my question for you, now we're in this hypothetical world where the Indians have to add $60 million next time. Now, it probably would never work that way, let's be honest. It'd probably be like, okay, next year there's no floor. Year after that, it's it's like 60 year after that, 80 year, you know, like a four-year plan. 
And again, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it being a gradual floor. And I wouldn't be surprised if this negotiating point works, if it we see it higher, if we see it go up to no, we want the floor to be 110, 120. I wouldn't be shocked by that. But you know, this is all conjecture. So let's have fun with it. Let, let's imagine a crazy world. If you were running the Indians, uh, how would you spend 60 million extra dollars this offseason? Um, I'm doing a, I'm doing an extension with a pitcher. No, I'm doing extension with okay, actually I'll name people. Mm-hmm. Um I'm extending. I'm actually, I'm actually gonna most do extension actually. So I'm gonna extend Bieber, Class A. Um Savali and McKenzie and Jose in front of me. Uh let's see. So I don't know. It's always hard to guess money. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had to choose in between them somehow, but I mean, I would extend. I would, I would, I mean, some of them I could get. I think I could get McKenzie and Class A very cheap actually because I had the leverage in most deals. But yeah. I think I can. I think I can make it work actually with six, sixty million. <laughs> yes, it'd be about sixty million. Would you consider Quantrill in that group? I, with also for extension. Yeah, um, I'll actually wait a year. So I was looking at... But I also look into trades. Yes. I was kind of curious to look at the free agent class Mm -hmm. uh, because it would actually maybe be conceivable they'd have to spend a little bit even with those extensions. Uh, With If they had to go out and spend, where would you positionally look? What do you think is the weakness outside the organization that they would have to maybe go to look to to figure out um catcher um corner outfield in first base so if they had the money can i throw a random i'm going to throw some names at you we'll, we'll do okay. it this way uh see what you think about any of these players as a yay nay or maybe what about for corner outfield michael conforto maybe he has health issues that's the only reason i say maybe uh in terms of catcher it, it looks like it's well. I'll throw another name out there, outfield wise. Starling Marte. I know he's thirty-two, and I know they have Miles Straw, but uh, I think Marte has spent time in the corners at points. In his yeah, career. he did it when uh, McCutcheon was there. And no, uh, would you consider him, or is the age too much of an off put? The age, the age, too much of an off put to me. I mean, when I have a young team in the majors, I want to preserve that age that youth just because of um the benefit of it you know the incentives the catcher market i will say is pretty horrendous uh looking at some lists it's travis day who's 32 and injury prone so i don't know man that catch and i agree like catcher might be the biggest hole in this organization right now uh just actually there's actually changing. If we really think about it, though, we'll always see the nailer. Yeah, it's nailer's having such a rough year. He is, but I mean, I like think still... catchers allowed to have years like that, especially with how he's been fast tracked and everything. I wonder. I mean, they they need to play both, and they're both kind of double A. Mm-hmm. Part of me wonders if next year Lavastida might end up if they pull like a a Jose Lindor situation where, you know, Jose Ramirez got the jump to double A because I wanted them to both play. I wonder if Levistita 
conceivably after getting a cup of coffee in double A this year, might start next year in triple A already with his ability already as a pitch framer with the way he's hit. He might have organizational depth chart and just nearness to the majors. He, am I crazy to think that he is probably the first of those two called up? I would think he, he would be just because of, um, from what I've seen from Lava Cita, I really, and just how smart he is and everything, talk to him also. He's very intelligent and he's bottling one thing that. He's probably going to make it to the majors first and probably make it. Maybe late 2023, mid 2023. Or maybe there, late 2020, September 2022 at the earliest. Yeah. So, do you think there's any chance he does not get added to the 40 man? I think him? he gets added to the 40 man. There's no way. Yeah. It's not even just the fact that he's a catcher, but he's converted catcher with a background as a middle infielder. He was a shortstop and third base when he was in college, actually. So, if someone decides to take him in the Rule 5 draft, they have a utility guy who also be a backup catcher with contact skills and good on ba- great on-base skills, and he's in his early 20s, and he's bilingual, and he's intelligent. I didn't realize he was bilingual. That's a huge yeah, bonus is. in his favor. Uh, I also thought it was, you know, to, to steal uh, some information that uh, Justin Lada uh, posted that he was – leading uh his level in framing runs uh so it's on top of yeah he's a he's a conversion at catcher but in spite of still being relatively new to the position uh oh i mean i've seen him a long time as a person he's great framing blocking pitch calling i mean he's he's great to pitch exactly loving him they said nothing great things about him yeah it's i hot take alert incoming i am tempted to consider him a better prospect than Bo Naylor. And that's not because Bo Naylor has had a bad year. It's more that like La Vestita is, he's incredibly athletic. He's doing everything right. And he just, every, he keeps evolving and he keeps getting better. And performance wise, the guy hasn't had a hiccup yet. it's I, he's a really exciting catcher prospect to me in that regard that he looks like the complete real deal at that position. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, you know, athleticism to me really, we brought up the big thing. It really enhances his game defensively, which is ability to block and the lateral movement and the arm and the pop time and everything like that for him to learn everything and be so fluid at that so quickly. It really, he really, he stands out in the field also on both sides of the ball. And he can also run the bases very well for a catcher. You know that's a very unique factor that he that we're seeing that we're seeing a lot of in catchers nowadays. And with the potential of robot umps and automated strike zone, um, it just makes his future that much brighter if the possibility of that does happen. So we're going to take a, a quick break here. Normally, at this point in time, I would go over to BetOnline.ag. I would go and look at what the line is for tomorrow's game, but there is no game. It's one of the rare off days the Indians have, though I think they also have one on Monday too, if memory serves. So let's talk about other things. Right now they have uh, so much going on over at betonline.ag. They have esports, poker, racebook, casino, live betting, sports, contests. Let's go see what their promos are right now. And remember, when you do go to betonline.ag, you want to use the promo code LOCKED, 
uh, locked on to get a five zero fifty percent bonus on your first deposit. And it's worth checking out because if you listen to the show from Monday, I was like, "Wow, this is a terrible line." I, sh- I for the first time ever, I almost I almost put money on it, and uh, I told everyone else out there about that. And if anyone had listened, uh, they would have made some money. When you get Cal Quantrell getting a run and a half against the Twins when they're throwing out a bad pitcher, that that is the time to pay attention on these sites. Go check it out for yourself. If you if there's something you want to gamble or bet on, you're gonna find it over at BetOnline.ag. So at this point, like I said, I, I think it's worthy to talk about the miners. Uh, I'm gonna do a another bit of a softball toss to you. A player maybe you're tired of talking about, but I feel like we have to discuss when we're talking about minor league guys is you know, at the start of the year, Aaron Brock Bracho was the the number two guy, number three guy behind Rico, Rocoyo and uh, Valera. You could, that number three spot is now probably Jose Tenya. So I guess my, I could throw it to you if you want to talk about Tenya more, or we could talk about what, uh, Rocoyo is becoming a home run machine in double A. If you've been missing that, he's for a park that is not known for power. Uh, he has four home runs already. He's at a higher home run rate than he had in uh, high A with a higher runs created plus. Uh, both of those, you know, Valera is also hitting home runs all the time. I know you're posting videos of those I see on Twitter. Are those now the pretty solidly the top three from that international class? Is there someone I'm missing or not giving enough credit? But it, am I wrong that those guys are kind of the heads and shoulders top three? I mean, it's a great class. Don't get me wrong. There's great players all around, but those three really seem to be popping for me right now. Yeah, Valeri Tanerook are definitely top three, top three of that class right now. And um, no one else is close, like you said, head and shoulders. And um, Tanner really has really been impressive. He's, he's been just as impressive as a rookie, and they're really an equivalent, in my opinion. But you know, they're gonna move Rocky up and put him on the um, and put him on the uh, forty man because you know he could probably be a utility guy on someone's club right now, and someone will gladly take him. You know, he, I know the comparisons have happened since he got signed, but he 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 just runs just so much of Lindor in so many little ways, um, in this game. Not not even just the big things, small things he does as well, um visually whether and just on the field oh man and just um and how it shows up in the stat sheet and the adjustments he's making as well elevating the ball is very Lindor-esque what do you think yeah it's I mean I'm I get nervous you know with evaluations of anyone who's mostly been the lower minors just over the course of this year the improvement you've seen with all three uh mm-hmm. it's like I said I I thought for sure like start the Atenia was, was a like name to know. He wasn't even really on my watch list. Like I knew him, I knew he, his profile, but it, I guess my question to you is a you know, throwback question your way. You have to add all three now, don't you? It's one of those situations. No, they're not going to add 10. No one's going to take 10. Yeah, so he's a rookie, but they're not going to add 10. Okay. So with those two players added, I mean, I guess my other question then to throw you away, have you been a little bit surprised at all about Ro- what Rokio has done Not in double really. A? Um, kind of, I mean, the home runs and a little bit, you know, just with him playing Akron and stuff like that. And, and you know, with the double A parks being kind of bigger, but at the same time, he really, 
I, I feel like he was one of the guys that kind of could play up to competition. I think Brother is one of those guys that's like that too. It's just it's interesting to me that like yeah he's hitting more. And I feel like runs. a lot of Cleveland guys are like guys looking like Jose and Francisco were like that at times. Yeah. I think like Fran Miller's as well to a degree. Yeah. I the thing with with Rokio, and like, I think that's just uh, the age, you know, they're yeah. just being young. Is uh you know and I feel talk- like Cleveland knows how to sift through things to evaluate players just because they like young guys so much. Yeah, and when you look at him, it's like his walk rate. That's also the weird. Like he's 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 hitting for more power while striking out less and walking more. And that's that's an unusual combination to see. For Larry's walk rate is spiked. Like he's walking almost twenty percent of the time, and he's almost walking more than striking. Like he's basically turned in, into like Juan Soto esque. I, yeah, it's it's crazy, and the interesting thing with both Valera and Rocchio is okay, the good and bad of using BAPIP as an evaluator is theirs are okay, they're not like through the roof. So, but it also shows a degree of like what they're doing now is not, uh, you know, they're they're, they're not in a luck streak. No. There is still that degree of there could be a luck streak with them, especially when you look at. You know, uh, something like that. Just, just based on what I've seen from him, I really don't think so. Um, but I really, I really think so. you got to remember that they're the youngest players in all the leagues they played in so far professionally. So I feel like that data is gonna is gonna show. That's where that data is gonna is gonna show those those differences in physicality. Do you think Valera gets a push up at all, or do you think he? I th- I could see him getting a push up, but I could also see him staying. I, I really. I feel like it's 50 50. Um, I feel like they just because you miss that time with that month, they, they may want to just let them uh tear up high and just start on double A start the year next year and then maybe jump on the triple A after depends on how he does. And I really think he's going to play up and I really think he's going to do great in upper minors and even better than what he's been doing right now. Just because, um, you know, people complain about, you know, yeah, he doesn't hit for, for a high average and stuff like that. and you know, a lot of people will kind of over um, exaggerate the contact tool just because it looks like a rubber sink and no swing. No, I, and that's one of those things I've always said. It's like the I, I hate hit tool evaluation in general because it's it's not great. And for the longest time, like the book on Valera was like, oh, plus hit average everything else. And it's like, that's not him at all. That That's not the book. And not to say he's but I also be... think he 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 could wind up plus it. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he wound up plus it and wind up being like a 300 hitter in majors. Like he gets pissed around so much down here in Ak- Lake County. I can understand why he's only hitting 250 because he's not getting that many clean looks like he should be. I feel like even if he stays there though, he can be productive. Like he could be like there's an he has a, such a wide range of outcomes, but there's like an outcome where he's a more athletic corner outfield like Carlos Santana. And before anyone like gets mad about that, remember Carlos Santana is like top 10 in almost every offensive category in Indians history. Like that's an underrated profile. And especially Valera has more power. So you, you add that in, you're looking at that talent and that's not even his high end outcome. That's, that's, what's kind of crazy is the high end outcomes for him is that he has maybe the largest range of potential outcomes uh, 
just in general in the Indians minors with the skill set that is presented there and what he is I think currently Gabriel doing. Arias is better, but yeah, I think he's. I think just, Arias is better, just but it's a position. Yeah, I think and, he doesn't. He doesn't have as many. To me, like I guess when I'm saying outcomes, I just mean possible things he could turn into. Like Arias has such a higher floor that that's just going to limit like some of those outcomes. I'm just talking about ceiling. I'm sorry. My okay, mind. ceiling. No, I. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to find a real hole with Arias right now with what he has done this year. And you wrote that whole article that really went in depth. I hope uh, people went and check that out. If you didn't remember to go to Pat's Twitter and you can find that, uh, what Arias has done, you know, as we're kind of coming to a close here is, do you think he's had the most impressive year of any of the minor league prospects with age? I think he's definitely Valera. I think he's definitely been Valera. Um, I like George Valera. I like Xavier Curry. Um, Espino's been impressive. Um, Jerson Ramirez has been impressive. Especially down the stretch lately. Um, Wilson's been impressive. Young Kenzie Noel's been impressive in a short amount of time. He just got promoted to Lake County. I cannot wait to see him on the field. Because, wow, that's going to be a very talented team. He's going he's to really give that line of a boost. Um, it's going to be interesting just to see. Yeah. I feel like maybe I'm wrong. Honestly, this is this may be blasphemy, but we may be looking at the the best Indians minor group ever. In terms of depth, I can't think of anything that approaches it. I, I just I, can't. I mean the depth is definitely there, but I mean we we really yet to see guys really scratch the surface of what they can do. I mean we know how talented these guys are, and we know how good this team is at finding these guys. Yeah, it's. You know, it's one of those things too, like, you know, we talk about next year. I feel like, I mean, essentially, I can't think of, the, you know, they'd had the entire draft class. And I don't think anyone from that has even really been assigned anywhere yet with the rule changes, unless I'm completely missing something or wrong. So I, I'll be curious to see how they start moving guys around, who who gets the assignments in the low A versus the high A, because we saw them kind of slot some guys in. Uh, last year so it's going to be and that's the thing like i said we're talking about how good the minor leagues are how strong the depth is and and they've got 21 draft picks uh many of them very interesting players that really aren't even playing for them right now again i could be wrong i might have missed something but i don't recall really seeing much on that with all of them are pitchers yeah and you know you mentioned Xavier curry i know he's uh, tanner burns like these guys were oh i just released a feature on Xavier curry also so yeah and like when we talked about like Curry and Burns and Cody Morris and uh, Cantillo, and I'm sure uh, you know missing others, but it's like all those pitchers that didn't even pitch a full season this year because of health issues that are interesting players. It's uh, this past year was rough because when when the injuries occurred that we talked about in the first part, uh, they didn't have options. They didn't have that depth to go to and. You know, I still think like Mejia can be a really strong reliever with him being out of options next year. Like I, I, I would love to see him just used in that role at the end of this year to get him ready. Uh, but, you know, when you go and have to get the guy who's not pitched above a ball to start a significant amount of starts for you this year. Now it feels like I can't see that happening. Can you like the depth at each level? Uh, it, it's getting to the point where they're going to have like, every starting pitcher 
uh, you, you talked about the draft and everything else is a legitimate prospect. I can't recall ever seeing that, that just the way they're setting up these waves, there's not going to, you know, Tanner Tully has been a great organizational soldier. He's a glue guy. He goes up and down on a whim when a team needs depth, but his chance of pitching in the you know, former Ohio state Buckeye chance of pitching in the majors is, is low, uh, but you need those guys like that. But this team, the, you know, the depth of this system, we always talk up the middle, what they've done pitching wise. I, it's going to be interesting to see. They, like I said, I think they might have a legitimate prospect at all five spots in every rotation come next year. Or again, am I being over the top and ridiculous in my statements? No, I definitely do. Like, there's point. There's been points at time where the triple, the triple A miss starting rotations has been in some major league rotations over the years, over recently, over, over the last decade. And I'm not, I'm not saying that out of jest. I'm being serious. No, I mean you could. I was trying to think like who are the bad teams in baseball. I, the Pirates, I mean, are are pretty obvious. Baltimore the after Orioles rotations, yeah, yeah, especially after John Means' injury, I, I think you can make a case uh, for some of the the guys down there. But uh, and it's we talk about all that other parts and pieces, and then they also went out and traded two interesting arms at the deadline. So, yeah, pitching is. They learned, it feels like they definitely kind of internalized a lesson based on what occurred in this past season. We probably are running long. I forgot to set my timer and we record by Zoom. Uh, you know, there is no built in timer. So I sometimes miss out on information like that. But uh, Pat, why don't you tell them where they can find you again here at the end? Just remind them how they can locate your work, go find that Arias piece I mentioned or. Um, some of your interviews you do with um, with African-American athletes uh, and I mean your IBI stuff you, you're doing doing 100 different things at once yeah so um I will say um you can find me on Twitter at tangible dot underscore uno um uh my interview series not just with black American players so it, in baseball is with black American players African players African players African American players and also coaches writers scouts um managers etc um so um that i actually just recently published an interview with teddy blackwell the cleveland indians minor league uh medical coordinator um i just published a feature interview with xavion carey for indians website insider um you can find that on youtube at, um just put in xavion carey um interview feature interview and you can find it and that's that I want to thank Pat for joining me again. Uh, it was fun to talk about the game. It's always fun to talk about the minors. Like I said, I just can't help but get excited about the condition of the system in a positive way. So I just want to thank Pat again for joining me, for getting a chance to talk about this team and the future of this team. I want to thank everyone for listening. Remember, rating and reviewing really helps. Downloading daily is huge for us. Uh, any of those little things. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, just download every day. That's the simplest thing you can do to help us uh, overall as a podcast. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB draft uh, where you'll find such nuggets as I was delaying our podcast, starting to dig up the information of like how many, uh, how many pitchers have a higher runs created plus than Austin hedges this year. Uh, you'll also find some of my scouting takes in the lake there. Uh, may also check out the locked on Indians Twitter. Uh, they're going to give you the daily show updates on that one that uh, I often don't have the time to get to. And for the next year, go tribe. After that, go Guardians, go.